Here's what I'm going to say. God knows your story. He not only knows your story, but he cares about your story. And he not, he not only knows your story and cares about your story, but he wants to be a part of your story. And he not only knows your story, he not only cares about your story, he not only wants to be a part of your story, but he wants to lead your story. And some of the things we're going to talk about today are going to be some things that we're able to kind of unpack our story. And it's going to be up to you as to whether or not you want to do that. As we always do every week, I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to interact with God and see what, what happens. If you have a Bible, we're going to be hanging out in one chapter, Genesis 16. Genesis, Genesis 16 is where we're going to be all day. And I'm just going to highlight a few verses from that passage because it's a very interesting chapter. It might cause a lot of questions for you. I'm going to just hang out down here because if you guys aren't going to come towards me, I'm going to come towards you. You know what I mean, Rachel? So yeah, oh yeah, we can, oh, human connection, a fist bump, let's go. So we're in chapter 16 and where we pick up the story is where Abram, Abraham, Sarai, Sarah are kind of in a dilemma. Because Abram has been told by God, and there's been a covenant made with him, where God has said, hey, you are going to be a great nation. You're going to try to count the, the number of, of stars, and your children are going to be more than that. You're going to be the source of blessing for the entire world. All people are going to be blessed through you. There's only one problem. You guys know the story. Abram, Abraham does not have a son. And so it's really difficult to kind of be like the answer to the world's prayer about being the father of a nation when you don't have a son. And so his wife, Sarai, has a great idea. She says, well, how about you take my slave girl as your wife and maybe she can have a son for you. Now, before you get weirded out by that, you got to know that this is actually an acceptable form of dealing with this problem. Back in ancient days when a husband was married to a, a woman or wife that was barren, it was commonplace for them to then have another wife, a maidservant or a slave that would become the, a mother to his children and have a son that way. And so this is a customary, acceptable, even traditional thing for Sarai to suggest to her husband. And how many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you feel like God has spoken to you about something and you're like, you know what, that is really, I believe that that's what's going to happen. This is going to be good. I need to trust him for that. And then you start to kind of like figure out some things that you can do on your own to make it happen. No one's ever done that, right? This is what Sarai's doing. This is what she's doing. She's saying, you know what, I've got a better idea. I've got, I know that God said it maybe and I think this is how he wants to do it. So we try to manipulate a situation and try to make it happen on our own. How many of you know that when we try to do that, things don't go well? Not only does uh, she suggest this, but she suggests this, um, this Egyptian slave girl. For those students in the room, we've been learning about Egypt. She is a slave girl from Egypt, and all of the students in the room are going to say something like, wah, wah, because Egypt is never good. Egypt is a source of a lot of pain. Not only in this story, but also in the, in the future with Moses and all that happens there. And so Egypt is, is a part of the story. And, and so she does this, and, and Hagar 
ends up, oh, and by the way, just before we let, let him off the hook, let's talk about Abraham for a second. Because just like Adam, when he was offered the fruit by Eve, he didn't say anything. He was silent. He just ate it. He ate that apple or that unidentified forbidden Old Testament fruit, whatever that was. And so, guys, we're not going to talk about the fact that he was silent because it's a little awkward. Maybe we'll wait for like a really like good Father's Day you know, message to the guys about don't be silent you know, or whatever. I don't know. But here again, we see Abraham. Sarah makes a suggestion. It just says he agrees. All right, we'll go along with this, whatever. This is the, the way that maybe God's going to do it. This is what's going to happen. And so Hagar becomes pregnant. And there's two things that happen. Two things that happen. Number one, she starts to think, Hagar starts to think that she's all that. Because now she's pregnant with Moneybag's son. Because Abraham is the man. He has it all. He's got livestock. He's got wealth. He has everything. And so she starts to think of, him, of herself as being pretty awesome. And the way that we know that is that she begins to despise Sarah. Despise means um, even contempt, and contempt is kind of this idea that basically when you have contempt for someone, if I have contempt for Aaron, I would say that I don't really care what Aaron has to say because Aaron is not important, and what he has to say is even less important. And so that's contempt, and that's what, that's what Hagar has for Sarah. And you know what? When somebody has contempt for you, you can usually feel that. When you feel like you're not listened to or you're dismissed, or, and especially if you're, you know, the wife of the man, and now some Egyptian slave girl is starting to despise you and mistreat you or disrespect you, you better know that that was felt. And so what does Sarah do? She begins to mistreat Hagar. Now, we don't know what kind of mistreatment happened, um, but we could imagine that as a slave, she was probably verbally abused for sure. Um, probably physically abused, I would think. Probably not too much of a stretch to think about that as a slave girl. And so she's probably been emotionally abused, verbally abused, physically abused. And then after all of that happens, she decides to just run away. And she runs from the pain. She runs as far away as she can, and she is alone. So think about this for a second. Think about Hagar's situation. She's been used. She's pregnant. She's unwanted. She's probably been shamed. She's been mistreated for sure. Verbally, emotionally, physically. And she's alone. Scripture says that she ran away. She ran and she kind of stopped at a point where she was next to a, a road. And this road was a road that caravans would travel on. And maybe she thought that somehow, some way, she might be able to hitch a ride to the next town by a caravan. But that was probably a long shot, to be honest with you. When there's a young girl who's pregnant on her own in the wilderness, this is, this is more of a death wish than it is um, a solution to her problem. 
And so she's there by herself in this condition. Can you put yourself in that mindset? Can you think about what it would be like to be in the lowest of the low and then to feel like you're the highest of the high and then to run away because the pain is too great. The pain is too much to take. And so she runs. And she's alone. It's interesting. Maybe, maybe there's a, those of us today that we feel like we're alone. I wonder if Hagar thought about the fact that no one saw her. No one was seeing her. No one, no one was noticing the fact that she was not okay. And I think that that's a very similar way that we can experience life sometimes is where we feel like we've been mistreated. We've been verbally abused, emotionally, even physically abused. And no one saw it. No one is seeing it. No one understands the struggle that I'm having. And we feel very alone. I think that Hagar's story is very important for us, all of us, because Scripture is very clear. Something happens. In verse 7, it says that the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Now, the angel of the Lord is an interesting phrase because the angel of the Lord could definitely be translated as an actual angel, but there's many scholars that would say that the angel of the Lord was Jesus himself. And so Jesus finds Hagar. God finds Hagar while she's alone. Here's a, here's a thought. How many times in Scripture, I mean, I'm not looking for an actual answer to this, but how many times in Scripture do we see God find people when they're alone in the wilderness? <laughs> I mean, Moses is, is in that category Jesus is in that category. And here's, a, here's, here's an, uh, a thought for you. You feel disconnected. You feel like you don't, you're not connecting with God. You feel like he's very quiet. You feel like there's a lot of voices in your head and people are talking and you can't hear God. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Get alone. Get alone. Get alone and allow God to speak to you. Because God finds those of us that are struggling and are willing to get alone with him and allow him to speak to us. So this situation is what it is. Hagar is by herself, unwanted, abused, mistreated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. And we pray right now, God, that you would actually open our eyes. Lord, not our actual physical eyes, but the eyes of our heart. Because if we could just see a little bit of what you see, Lord, that there would be something that would change inside of us. Some of us today are going to actually step over the line of faith for the very first time. For the very first time, we're going to say, you know what, I've been, I've been around church all my life, but I'm finally making this faith thing my own. Others of us are going to open our eyes a little differently today, and we're going to see you in a new way. And God, we pray that you would do that in us. In Jesus' name. So that's the situation. And, and what happens is that God finds Hagar, and he hears her, he sees her, and he speaks to her. It's almost like in a way that he, God, in a way, he kind of leaves the 99. He leaves the people of God. He leaves the one that he's made a covenant with. And he goes to the Egyptian slave girl. Like, he leaves the 99 for the one. Like, 
actually wonder sometimes about like why. Why did God do that? I mean, she was outside of, of like the covenant. I mean, she wasn't a part of the, the Abraham's family. She was a slave girl from Egypt. And somehow God goes and finds her. It's really interesting. Some of us feel like we're out of reach of God. Don't you think that? Because I'm sure Hagar thought the same thing. But here's what's really awesome, and here's where we're going to hang for a second, is this, is that God talks to Hagar, and he asks her two questions. And it's in verse 8 that he asks these questions. He basically says, hey, where have you come from, and where are you going? Where have you come from? Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? Where have you come from? Where are you going? Now, these two questions, um, let's talk about them for a second. The first question, where have you come from? That's a backstory question. That's thinking about, like, where you grew up. You know, I grew up on Burnham Avenue in Lansing, man, and we would go, like, shoot out the streetlights and go tell the cops that there's streetlights out on, you know, Dan Moriarty's street. You know what I'm saying? And you guys should go fix those. We, didn't, we did things that were not okay, all right? I'm sure you guys all were perfect. You know, but we would go. We would go to uh, St. Anne's Church on Burnham and like, or it was, I think Burnham and Ridge, and they had like this parking lot, John, that was like this, dude. And we would skateboard down that thing, and the only way we stopped was like our face. That's the only way because you get going so fast. We loved it, man. There was a there was an arcade. Anybody knows what an arcade is? Like that's back when you would like put a quarter in a machine. It was called Tokens. You know, that was the name of the arcade, Tokens. We'd go there and hang out, and we'd like save up, get a crispy dollar that would it would go you ever get like the tokens and you have the crinkly dollar and it would never keep spinning out some of you don't know what i'm talking about but it was the most frustrating thing is like you you just want to play like a little galaga you know and you can't so i don't know where you grew up but i'm sure things are going through your head like where you grew up but it's not only where you grew up it's how you grew up so like what was the family dynamic when you grew up you know were you were, you, were your parents together, like, all of your life? Were your parents together for a little while, and then you had one parent for a while, and then you got a new parent, and then, like, you had two new parents, and you had, like, was there a lot of love in your house? Were you, was your house very connected, or was it disconnected? Um, all those things are things that help us understand kind of how we got here or where we came from. Those are important questions. Those are important facts to write down. So that's kind of the first question. Where have you come from? The other question is, where are you going? Where are you going is what I would say is like a GPS question. I don't know that, um, you know, Hagar really knew uh, the answer to that question. God was kind of saying, you know, where, where are you going? And, and I don't think like even for us, when God asks us that question, you see when your eyes are open, but you have vision when you close your eyes. And I think that Hagar was being asked by God, not, hey, where are you going, like, physically? But when you close your eyes, where do you see your life going? Interesting, a couple of real quick questions. Just like when God asked Adam, where are you? Does God really wonder these questions with Hagar? Is he trying to figure this out? Like, I need a little more intel before we have a conversation, Hagar. Can you tell me where you came from and where you're going? Now, I think most of us in the room have heard of this God and know enough about him that he's omniscient, so he knows the answer to the questions, right? Are we we thinking that that's kind of what we're thinking? 
So my question is this, why would he ask her these questions? Pretty obvious, right? Because he wants her to answer them for herself, right? And so there's something about interacting with the question that God really wants Hagar to do and really wants us to do. He wants us to answer the question, where did you come from, where are you going? Second question about these, this dialogue here is why is it that God can even ask the question? Now, this is an easy one. It's a little obvious. It's a little bit of a rabbit trail for me. But the obvious answer is this. Why can God ask these questions of Hagar is because he's with her. Don't pass that up too quick. God is with Hagar and therefore is able to ask these questions. And there are questions that he already knows the answer to and he does not need to know. But he wants Hagar to wrestle with them. And you know what she does? She answers them. And what does she say? I'm running from my mistress. I'm running away. Anybody have an issue with that or see an issue with her answer? Here it is. She avoids the questions. He asks her, where are you coming from and where are you going? And she says, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm running. I'm running. And she avoids the questions. She never answers them. And I think that there are a lot of us in that category. I would be one of them as well. That, that somehow we think and we think that there's not any merit to God's questions that God's asking us, asking Hagar, where have you come from or where are you going? It doesn't really matter. I mean, the past is the past. It's been redeemed. It's, God doesn't remember anything that I did that was bad, all that stuff. But there's some value in going back. I want us to hang here for a second. Because why is it so hard to go into our past and unpack it? The reason is because there's a lot of stuff there that's really negative. There's a lot of things that have been said or done by you or by someone else that you've said or had said to you, that you've done or had done to you, that are negative and you don't really want to talk about those things. I get that. Been there. Understand. I've got a list. But what's interesting is that there's also a lot of positive things that have happened in our lives that we have just completely not celebrated. We've not remembered them properly and highlighted them as part of our story and said, that was awesome. I was telling you guys that I was in uh, Florida this week, right? So um, a buddy of mine is now the CEO of a big organization this guy grew up with. Like, he's, he's got, I, I told him, when I walked in the office, I saw the big wood desk, and he's sitting there, and there was no paper on the desk. So you know he's important, right? Because he has nothing to do except tell people what to do, Right? And he, we close the door, and I go, what is going on? You have everyone fooled. How is this a thing? Why are you, what? And for the next two hours, we hung out, we talked, and this is a guy I grew up with, and, you know, during those high school days and college and all that, and, and as we were kind of like, we picked up where, where we were left off, hadn't really talked like this for a couple of years, and we were talking about, reminiscing about all the things we used to do, you know, when we were TPing houses back when that was fun, you know, don't you dare t TP my house. And, and, you know, that, that we were just kind of like, we were just getting into trouble all the time. We just had a lot of fun talking about it. But there were a few things that came up in the conversation that I was like, ooh, you know what, I forgot about that. That, 
that he had actually helped me um, complete my thesis project for college. Um, it was like key that he helped me. He, he opened a door and it was allow, allowed me to be kind of like make some connections that really allowed for that thing to really go to the next level. And, and there were a few other things that, that kind of came up in that conversation. And in, in about two hours in, it really, it's kind of funny, like I even say this, but this is how like jacked up I am. I realized, I'm like, this guy is like one of my best friends. <laughs> Isn't that so sick and twisted? And like, I'm do- it's dawning on me like 30 years later, Nancy. Like 30 years later, I'm like, this guy is one of my best friends. And I literally, I, st- I, I tell him, I say, look, I got to tell you something, man. I'm just like really putting this together. I've never told you this. Like you are one of my, you have been and are one of my best friends. And thank you for all the different things that you've supported me through the years, man. It's, it's, I just got to say it. I appreciate you. So I was with, uh, that was a pretty cool moment to celebrate. And, and then I went to this conference where there was a bunch of pastors, right? A bunch of pastors. So like all the pastors were, everyone's walking around like, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Everyone's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got the, like the shields are up, man. They're like full strength, man. I'm like, y'all are doing a good job faking it out, man. And uh, good job. Like how many people go to your church? <laughs> <laughs> and I run into a buddy of mine I haven't seen in 10 years. He pastors in Wisconsin, and uh, his name is Troy, and, and we start reconnecting, and we had worked together a little bit back in the day, and, and, and we started reminiscing again about what, what we had done, and then I realized something. I go, oh my gosh, Troy, do you remember before second place was even a thing, before all that, when I was working a, a job out in the real world, and I said, dude, do you remember when I was, that was at like that turning point? in my career where I was going to this meeting and I dreaded this meeting because I knew it wasn't going to go well. It was like that, that meeting that was going to be horrible. And you called me on my way to that meeting because you knew it was going to be a big deal. And you said to me and you told me, you said, there's some wisdom that you dropped on me. And you said, Joe, I know this meeting's a big deal. Here's what I'm going to suggest. Maybe what you should do is approach it this way. And I listened to you, man. And that made all the difference because that meeting went really, really well when it could have been a train wreck. I said, Troy, I think you need to know how much that meant to me because you saved me from me. Thank you. You see, I think sometimes those are just two really quick examples of things that have happened in our life, but until we go back and we reminisce, we remember those things, those positive things that we should properly celebrate and be able to mark down on our timeline and say, that was awesome. And then there's a second question that we can ask when we kind of do that work, which I think is really cool. Because in all the negative And in all of the positive, there's a question we can ask. And let's ask it in just a second, because here's what's really cool. is When you look at the past, the second question is, where are you going? And and she doesn't answer this question. God does. God actually answers the question. And he tells Hagar where she's going. He doesn't shame her for not answering. How many of you need to see grace in the Old Testament? There it is. Slave girl by herself, mistreated. He doesn't shame her for not answering him. He says, let me give you the answer. He says, you know what? You're going to be the best slave ever. Nope. He says, you're going to be the mother of a nation. 
Can you imagine going from being the lowest of the low to be told that you're going to be the mother of a nation? Now, here's the thing. As good news this is, this is an interesting thing because now you got to wonder, this decision of Sarah and Abraham and trying to manipulate the situation, the consequences are still being felt today, right? And so we see that there's this blessing of Hagar that's very, very interesting. Only God could understand it, what he was kicking off in this whole scenario. But somehow God communicates that there is going to be, and, and here's what it is, what you find out a couple of chapters later, is that God honors his covenant with Abraham, with both sons. The redemption comes through Isaac, but there's also this numerous offspring that come from Ishmael. And so God tells her. So, when we go back into our story and we ask and we, we start to unpack the negative and the positive things that are there, we can ask this question that helps us move forward. Because what ends up happening is, is that Hagar makes a commitment. And what I think we see in Scripture in, in verse 13 is we see Hagar come to faith. Could you imagine? I'm sure that she's heard Abraham, overheard Abraham and Sarah talking about the fact that Abraham, you know, had this big moment where God, like, spoke to him and, like, there's going to be this amazing vision and, like, I'm going to be this father of this huge nation and you can't even count how many kids I'm going to have and it's amazing. And I'm sure she's heard that. But it wasn't her own faith. But Hagar's about to step over the line of faith and make it her own because this is what she says in verse 13. You got that, Grace? You are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. Now, let's not get ahead of ourselves because the good church message that we could end with right now and be good with is this. God sees you in your misery. God sees you in your struggle. God sees you in your issues. God sees you in your complications. He hears you when you pray. He cares about that situation that's complicated. He cares. He sees it. He's with you. He hears you. And some of us today need to be reminded of that and need to take strength and confidence in that and be able to face tomorrow knowing that you are not all alone. You may be physically alone, but God is with you. He sees you, he, see, he hears you, he knows you. It's a good, good church message. But I believe that some of us today needed to hear that because we needed to have that confidence tomorrow morning when we get up to be reminded that God sees me, hears me, and knows me. And somehow, just like Hagar, he's going to bring me to what I'm supposed to be getting into, and what I'm so, that vision I'm supposed to walk into. But there's a second thing that happens with Hagar. It's not just that God sees her. It's that she sees God. She says, I have now seen the one that sees me. When we go back into our story, when we look at the negative, we look at the positive, and we ask this question, God, where were you? 
Where were you? If we will spend the time to wrestle that question to the ground, God, where were you when my mom and dad split up? God, where were you when those things were said about me? God, where were you? Jesus, what were you saying when that was said to me? God, where were you when things didn't go the way that I had planned for them to go? God, where were you when that thing happened? Where were you when Troy called me and helped me save a situation from going very poorly? God, where were you when I was little and mom and dad weren't okay? When we ask that question and we start to begin to answer it, here's what we do is we start to see God in our story. God knows you, God sees you, God hears you. He knows every detail of your story and he will speak to you where he was and what he was saying in those moments. And when you get that revelation, when you get that, that you don't say, I dismiss my past. It doesn't matter anymore. I've been redeemed. Yep, you have, but how, what have you been redeemed from? Understand that. Understand what God was saying when you made that mistake. When you understand that God was with you the entire time, and he was listening to you, and he was speaking to you, and he was caring for you in the muck and the good times, what it does is it allows us to fuel the tanks, and move into our future and into the vision that God has for us with confidence, not wondering, am I alone still? I've dismissed all of my past, and I haven't really taken the time to identify where God was, so I feel alone right now, and I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to feel alone moving forward because I haven't built a foundation of moments with God where he says, I was there. I was there and I was caring for you and I was carrying you when you couldn't carry yourself. This is what we do. We find strength to move forward. So a few things that I will say to you. Um, that's one of them. Understanding our past unlocks our future. I was talking to a buddy of mine um, just last night at the Saturday night service and He's, he's on like a big, he's, on, he's got a big goal that he's trying to hit this year, and he's excited about it. He's doing great with it. And, I, and after, after service, I was like, dude, you know what? I'm so proud. You're doing awesome with that. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, no shame right now, but I'm going to tell you, for whatever reason, the reason why you have set this goal this year, it is somehow, some way connected to your story somewhere in your past. Because it's undoing or unlocking or it's putting an underline or it's putting it in bold letters, something that needs to happen now that's going to address, it's addressing something from your past. And it's moving you somewhere awesome in the future. He's almost 50 years old. And I was like, good work, man, because you know what, that's the key, is to understand what's, what's causing, what's motivating me to do this. So that's one thing, is that understanding our past unlocks our future. Second thing is that the, your revelation comes through the question. The, the question of where have you come from and where are you going, your revelation, if I can only understand, uh, help you understand in, like, what that means to me, like your ability to see why your life matters, your ability to understand what God has done in your life, your ability to share that with somebody else, 
comes when you answer the question, where did I come from? How did I get here? Where was God involved? When we see God in our story is when we trust God for our future. And we see when we open our eyes, but vision comes when we close them. Man, you, as we are making the choice to say, you know what, my eyes are open, but when my eyes are closed, this is what I see. We see when we open our eyes, but vision comes when we close them. Guys, I love this work because I have seen in my own life the ability to be freed of all kinds of stuff and to be able to share parts of my story that are unlocking things for other people because you know what? People don't need to say, hey, you know what? Is there something going on? Like, I'm struggling with this and I don't really know what to do. And then you say, God's got a great future for you. He's got a plan for you. You just need to hold on, you know? Instead of saying, hey, you know what? I I talked about this with God and I went back into my story. And you know what? I faced something similar. You know what? Let me page back into there real quick and let me just tell you what I wrote down when God was doing that and what he was doing when I faced that same exact struggle. This is what I felt God was saying to me. I'm with you. You're going to be okay. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. You're not, you're not, you don't need to be ashamed. Man, if we could unlock those things for someone else because it's something that we've experienced, that's what people need. We need to be able to relate to them, not with where they're going to be, but with where they are by saying, God can take you through that because he took me through it. The band can come up. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This is, this is what my, I'm going to make a, I'm going to propose something. <laughs> I'm going to propose this, all right? This is what we're going to do. We're going to stop ignoring, burying, and dismissing our past so that you can see God then and now. And you can see God in that and trust him in where he is taking you. We're going to stop. What are we going to do? We're going to stop ignoring, burying, and dismissing your past so that you can see God in it and trust him and where he is taking you. There's, there's two ways that I, I want you to be able to do this work. And I believe in this so much. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be tough. But I'm telling you, no one ever tells you to do this, Kristen. No one ever tells you to do this because everybody's always pushing forward. But before we push forward too quickly, let's ask God where we've been. So I've got a piece of paper that Christina has that she's going to pass out. You can pass them out. And this piece of paper is similar to the other ones, carries on this side. Similar to the other ones, it's got four different passages that you can read from Genesis 16. And it's got some questions that you can answer. And I think that this would be a good start. To be a good start. But there's a second tool that I want to put in your hands, um, but it's a little bit different and it's a little bit more, I think, um, it goes a little deeper into what we're talking about today. And so what I want you to do is if you want to do this work and to, to get a little guidance in how to go through that, um, I'm going to I'm going to record some direction or be on, on a phone call tonight, and I'm going to give that out to you guys, and I'm going to give you a link to that tool. And the way that you can get access to that is by texting the word STORY to the number that is on the screen, 708-295-3589. Grace will leave that up there for a second. You can just text the word STORY, no quotation marks, just the word STORY to 708-295-3589. And this will be something that you'll receive later in the day. You'll get a quick 
reply back that says thanks for reaching out. But later on today, you'll see a link and you'll see some um, connections to some to a tool that you can do some work like this this week. And I think that it's going to be probably a couple of weeks of this where you're going to want to sit with it a little bit and come back to it and, uh, and be able to kind of connect with it. And we'll probably do a follow-up in a couple of weeks just to see what you're learning and what you're discovering about yourself. My phone's going off because you guys are texting the number. That's cool. Um, So what are we going to do? We're going to stop ignoring, burying, dismissing your past so you can see God then and now and trust him and where he is taking you. I'll say what I said again at the beginning. God knows your story. He not only knows your story, he cares about your story. Not only does he know your story and care about it, but he wants to be a part of it. And not only does he know it and care about it and want to be a part of it, but he wants to lead it. And these questions that were challenged us today are what help unlock that. Why? So that we can say what Hagar said, which is this, I now see the God who sees me. If I could only help you guys see in my mind and in my heart about what my life was like before I dove into those questions and then now today how I stand before you. It's why I'm fired up. It's why I don't even need notes to preach this message is because of what God's done in my life because I've been willing to go back into that mess and sort it out a little bit with God's help. And now I'm telling you I'm a different guy. And so the choice is yours and the choice is ours to decide to go after that. And um, why don't we stand? And as we, as we go to worship today, these songs were selected, you'll see in a second, they were selected very purposely as always. But I really want these songs to be, these moments to be a time when you can really do some business with God and to really think about where you've been and where you're going. So God, we just worship you right now. We, we love you, Lord God, and we thank you, God, for the story of Hagar. We thank you, God, that that was recorded in Scripture for us to see how you would somehow reach out to an Egyptian slave girl. If there's anybody that should have felt outside of the, the plan of God, it would have been her. And yet, God, you found her in the desert. You found her in the wilderness. And you cared for her. Lord, we ask right now that as we go and we sing, that, Lord, that these songs would not just be lyrics, that they wouldn't just be words on a screen, but that they would be our truly our hearts cry. That, Lord, that when our heart is weary and we don't have what it takes to go on the, the path anymore, just like Hagar probably did. She stopped along the path somewhere because she, she said, I can't go anymore. Lord, what we do is we fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. And Lord, just as, as Hagar began to see and to understand that you understood her, Lord, we sing the song, Lord, you know me, Lord God. You see every detail in our life. And Lord, you see me. And Lord, I want to see you in every detail of my life. And Lord, as we worship and we talk about and we sing about and declare to you that you are not only at the beginning and at the end, but you are in the messy middle as well. Lord, help us remember that you're with us, that you see us, that you hear us, and help us see you in that middle, Lord God. We thank you for this, in Jesus' name.
So when we we have trouble going backward and going into that story and packing that, um, I think what we kind of inadvertently say is that we say it doesn't really matter. Like it's not really a big deal. Um, and, And I want you to remember what we're singing today. Like we're singing about Jesus, the one who redeemed our story, who redeemed us. And so... I want to tell you today that that stuff does matter. It matters so much that he died for it. So like, if it didn't matter, then why would he die for it? And I I just want to encourage you today because I think we need to dust off some testimonies and and be able to share those things about what God has done in our life with those that are are needing to hear about the hope of Jesus. And, And the crazy thing is, is that sometimes we don't realize that scripture says we're going to be saved, yes, by the blood of the Lamb, but by the word of our testimony. And so today, as you go, may you do the the good work of going back into story and finding those testimonies that God has put in your story so that you can unlock that hope for someone else. And we're in a situation at this time in our life as a church where I see a lot of faces that I know. And I know that there are struggles and there are moments in your story that are just tough and I'm telling you right now that God wants to talk to you about where he was when those tough things were happening so second place as we go may we be light in dark places and may we do the hard work of uncovering those testimonies of where we see God and Lord may we be those people, Lord God, that, that are willing to talk to you, to, the, to open up our eyes, Lord, as you begin to open our eyes, that we would not only know and, and, and trust and be convicted that you see us and that you hear us and that you know us, but Lord, that we see you like Hagar saw you in her story, that we see you, we hear you, and we know you. Lord, we pray for those today that walked over the line of faith and crossed over for the very first time or for the first time in a long time. And Lord, we celebrate their decision to finally make their faith their own. They're not going to listen to some story by Abraham, but Lord, we're going to make that faith our own today and we celebrate that moment with them. Lord, now, now they're on that trail. They're on that path. They're on that journey to what you have for them. So Lord, give us a vision when we close our eyes for what our life can be with you. And we thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you for what you're speaking into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. See you very soon. Catch up on some sleep.